This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.36 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Philip C. Now in half an hour, we have The Breakfast Grill. Who's in the hot seat today, Phil? Oh, I'm very excited because I will be speaking to Sebastian Malaby. He's the author of The Power Law, Venture Capital and the Making of the New Future. Now, the venture capital landscape has had a boom in the past decade with a trajectory that is unlike any other. What's the story behind successful firms that they've seen as heroes of this tech century? Sebastian Malaby explores this in his latest book, The Power Law. We speak to him to understand the history of tech incubation in Silicon Valley and ultimately worldwide and learn all the little juicy stories that he managed to you know, curate throughout to make this book a very compelling read. The juicy stories, that's what we like. All right, we're good. There were many juicy stories, especially <laughs> involving hot tubs. We're going to get into that on The Breakfast Grill. Stay tuned after the 8am news bulletin but sticking to the tech landscape we're turning our attention to what's going on over in the US this week the White House endorsed a bipartisan bill that could give the president powers to ban or force the sale of foreign owned technologies applications software or e-commerce platforms if they present a national security threat to US users now the bill has a really catchy acronym the full title is restricting the emergence of security threats that risk information and communications technology Act, and that's shortened to the Restrict Act. (laughs) Now, the bill doesn't mention any companies by name, but it is focused on countries with adversarial relations with the US, namely China, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Russia, and Venezuela. That's a pretty long list, yeah. Now, the Restrict Act would ensnare the hugely popular TikTok app owned by Chinese company ByteDance, which has 100 million American users and is seen as a possible security backdoor for the Chinese government. So how are markets and investors reacting to the possibility of a ban on TikTok and which stocks could benefit. To better understand the implications of these developments for tech stocks, we speak to Mandeep Singh, Senior Equity Analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence. Mandeep, thanks very much for joining us. Now, if we look back, there have been efforts in the past, especially under the Trump administration, to ban TikTok. How was this averted at the time? Also, at that time, when uh, I think an executive order was issued, uh, you know, the First Amendment kicked in because TikTok appealed to uh, a judge uh, in the U.S. that, you know, this kind of violates the First Amendment. And uh, I I think the judge ended up uh, basically... uh, kind of uh, reneging the executive order, and uh, that is how they were get away. They there was a proposal to, uh, you know, merge the U.S. entity with Oracle and Walmart, uh, but that also didn't go through because certain conditions weren't satisfied. So. In a nutshell, I would say uh, the Congress didn't have enough powers and the executive order didn't go through at, at that time. And, and Mandeep, give us some color about this uh, Restrict Act. How would it address national security concerns? Well, so I again, I, I think there is a political aspect to it as well. But uh, my understanding is... Uh, they're really trying to make sure that, you know, this goes beyond what the Committee of Foreign Investment in the U.S., the CFIUS, is doing. And uh, they uh, want to have that ability to ban, uh, you know, the app, although it would, uh, again, it would pose the same question around the First Amendment. And, uh, you know, if you ban TikTok, then the question is, what do you do with WeChat? 
or uh, some other apps like that, uh, which are also available in the US. But essentially, they want more powers in terms of they, when I say they, it's a Congress uh, and it's a bipartisan bill. So it's really aimed at looking at the app very closely, what they do, restricting their, uh, you know, the data that they're capturing within the US. And uh, I, I think uh, uh, once you have that power, you can. Uh, impose more restrictions. Right now, the Congress doesn't have uh, much powers in terms of what they could do here. So how are markets and um, other tech players reacting to this proposal? I mean, on one hand, it might be seen as an automatic boon for U.S. tech players if they eliminate, I suppose, a competitor in the market. But are there minefields in introducing such a ban that um, investors see? Um, Not minefields as such, but I think uh, at a high level, you know, TikTok has about 25% uh, engagement when it comes to the overall social media time spent. So you could say some of that time would be spent elsewhere, like on Instagram or Meta or YouTube. We think YouTube could be among the biggest beneficiaries because it's it has the largest ins- install base, you know, in terms of the number of users it reaches, as well as the variety in content. And same thing for Instagram uh, and Snapchat that as well. So clearly, I I think you could see all of these companies benefiting in terms of engagement. And uh, look, from an advertiser perspective, they care about brand safety to begin with. Right now, from our estimates, TikTok US operations is about a $6 billion business. So it's not going to make a big dent in terms of, uh, you know, Meta or Alphabet top line because of their large basis. But for a Snapchat, this could definitely be a needle mover in terms of their overall revenue. Yeah, I was just thinking about, you know, you're talking about the competitors, right? Google with their YouTube shots and Meta with their Instagram reels. I wonder if you can help me on pass out. What is the key, you know, distinctive value of TikTok? You know, how does it differentiate its proposition versus all these other short video formats then? Or is there not much distinction? I mean, they were the original kind of uh, company when it comes to the short video format. And and the reason why it did so well and uh, they got all these creators is because of the quality of their tools. So, you know, they really came up with the best tools and an algorithm to curate a feed without having a user social graph. So Meta for the longest time didn't make that pivot because they thought, you know, they had that user social graph and they didn't want to change to an AI driven feed. But now with the success of TikTok and, you know, the engagement that it's got, they realize, you know, there's no choice but to pivot to that AI based feed. And it's proving to be that right kind of uh, strategy because you hear about chat GPT and large language models and AI is becoming more and more prevalent in every business model. So clearly, I I think every company out there is trying to use AI for recommendation. And uh, I I think TikTok was the original kind of innovator in terms of using that for short form videos. Mm. Now, um, I mean, the US isn't the only jurisdiction where ByteDance and TikToks are facing a lot of regulatory scrutiny. We also see uh, TikTok uh, or ByteDance trying to um, engage with European regulators um, to prevent any, I guess, laws that could restrict them. Are there differences in how U.S. and European regulators are dealing with the perceived threat um, from ByteDance? So uh, clearly, I mean, they have a different regulatory body that uh, I I guess... uh, 
goes about things uh, in a slightly different way versus how things are, uh, you know, uh, going through the Congress here and uh, there is a bill introduced. Over there, I would say uh, my understanding is it's more about, uh, you know, how the regulatory body sees a particular app. That's what they've done uh, with Google over the years. And if, if they find certain practices uh, that are not in line with, uh, you know, uh, their way of looking at uh, or doing consumer harm, then that's where they would ask uh, the company to make remedies or mm. uh, in, in certain cases, they impose fines as well. But uh, clearly, it's not a bipartisan type of bill in, in over there. Mm. And Mandeep, since we have you on the line, I just want to get your perspective on ChatGPT. You know, the, has the dust settled on who are the likely winners and losers of ChatGPT implementation? Also, so far, uh, I think what you can see is it's computationally intensive and it really is driving demand for uh, accelerator chips as well as, you know, cloud computing capacity. And that's where, you know, the likes of Amazon, Microsoft, Google Cloud, as well as NVIDIA on the chip side, like these are the clear kind of beneficiaries mm. of the trend. And over time, I'm sure uh, it's going to disrupt certain business models. Our view is search isn't going to get disrupted right away, although you could argue the number of queries where you have links that are going to uh, go down because, you know, ChatGPT gives you a summarized view so you don't need to click into uh, links uh, as much as you uh, were doing before. And, and so those sort of UI changes as well as uh, what kind of ad impact uh, is lesser known at this point of time, but clearly you need more computational capacity for something yeah. like ChatGPT, and that is driving a lot of growth for the cloud and the chip companies. And that's why it's interesting, right? Because you've had so much conversation about how it affects the tech sector, but it also can uh, disrupt many traditional sectors, isn't it? Like education, media, and PR, right? Which of these traditional sectors do you think are likely to face the wrath of ChatGPT? <laughs> I mean, any uh, space where, you know, you're, you're looking for summarized information and uh, information that can uh, help you make quick decisions, I think uh, that is where you could see uh, disruption, especially on the BPO side. You know, think of customer service. That's a big use case. And a lot of the customer service operations could change because of how intelligent uh, the language models can get over time. So I think that would be a big use case. If you look at the um, outlook for internet tech ahead, especially in light of expectations that Fed interest rate hikes are going to go higher for longer. I mean, what, what are you seeing in terms of trajectory? Which uh, stocks are going to be more resilient, I suppose, in the face of these economic headwinds? I would say, you know, uh, when I look at the high growth companies, clearly, you know, when you uh, look at the uh, last year's performance and even year to date this year, those multiples have come down 70, 80%. And uh, even if you take out multiple expansion, given how far estimates have come down, uh, there isn't uh, much room for estimates to go lower. And from a valuation uh, perspective, you know, multiples have come down enough. So 
there is that de-risking that's already happened. But mm. in terms of, you know, what will drive up, I mean, uh, as long as interest rates keep going up, that's not a positive catalyst. So uh, I, I think you, you want to see a top line growth and certain segments within tech are more resilient. We think cloud is more resilient. Cybersecurity is more resilient, but uh, certain segments aren't. And I think that's where uh, it's sort of uh, different by company. And that's why it's very interesting because you now see that, you know, markets react well when, you know, tech firms cut jobs like uh, Meta recently, right? Uh, with Max, Mark Zuckerberg saying it's a year of efficiency. Do you think we're going to see more tech layoffs and how is it going to translate into markets? Well, so it, I mean, some of these companies are going to come out much stronger because of, you know, the fact that they are uh, getting leaner. And uh, if if they are able to get through this phase, you know, ad is a very cyclical market. And once they come out of this ad recession and uh, things go back to where they were before, uh, and at least in terms of ad pricing, we think they will, their margins will be much better as a result of the leaner cost structure. So I I do think, you know, uh, this is not going to end right now. I mean, there there is probably uh, more to go in terms of uh, this trend. But clearly, uh, the companies that do survive this, especially on the software and the ad side, will come much, much stronger uh, out of this downturn. Mandeep, thank you very much for speaking with us. That was Mandeep Singh, Senior Equity Analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, um, helping us to understand moves um, to introduce an act that could see TikTok banned yep. in the US, as well as just broader trends in the tech sector and who stands to benefit. That's right. I found it very interesting that it didn't. it's not going to translate to much benefit to the other players in the market because actually everybody has entered into the short video format, Instagram with Reels, YouTube with YouTube Shorts, right? Uh, but, you know, I think TikTok was the real original one with all the AI and the tools that helped make sure that they delivered really compelling short videos. We still don't know what their algorithm secret sauce is. Yes. <laughs> it's still uh, quite unknown. Can I follow you on TikTok? I am not. I'm a lurker. No, you can't. <laughs> 7.49am. <laughs> We're heading into some messages and when we come back we're going to celebrate women in the judiciary stay tuned to bfm 89.9 you have been listening to a podcast from bfm 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the bfm app